focus. Focus up. I'm talking to you, Winter Jim, out in the Pacific Northwest. Thanks for watching on NGBN.TV, YouTube, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and of course, Apple. Make sure you continue to subscribe and share the podcast. This is episode 21 of the Rubio Method. My name is Chris Rubio, along with Nicholas Monahan. We have a great, great show with a phenomenal guest. Here is what we're covering today. Frightened kids, video games, grandparent stories, pet peeves, lots and lots of money, the truth, saying goodbye, the right and wrong roads, all of that and much, much more on the Rubio Method. Christian, I'm out. Focus. Focus up. I'm talking to you, Ruta. Way, way out there. Keep your chin up. I know you've had some haters lately, but don't worry about it. You are phenomenal and everyone knows it. Ruta, Ruta, Ruta. Welcome back to the Rubio Method. Make sure you continue to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, Amazon, and of course, NGBN.TV. Monahan, I asked last week and I'm going to ask again. Your minute with Monahan better be about Hallmark movies. Yes or no? Oh, I've got breaking sad news. No Hallmark movies in this one. But the next one, you better believe it's happening. <laughs> Go ahead, Monahan. I'm ready. <laughs> Today is – oh, man. I've been – you guys – for those of you guys that don't know, Rubio has been sending me movie recommendations left and right, and I'm just living in them. I absolutely love them. They've all been phenomenal. But today's Minute with Monahan, we're going to talk about continuing that education, make sure that brain continues to be sharp. And we got three reasons why you want to do continuing education, even as an adult, because us adults think we know it all. It's always awesome to learn some more. So number one, the number one reason why you would continue your education is mental health. Just like we learned last episode, uh, continuing education, like it stimulates those endorphins in your mental health to continue to learn. You continue like you're getting sharper, wiser, and you continue to, to keep growing. If you stay stagnant, uh, that's when you die, right? Uh, number two is the, what I kind of just said as well, that cognitive function, right? We want to make sure that we're continuing to learn. Our minds are continuing to expand and continuing to grow. One of the biggest things too is if you feel like you're in a rut, man, go ahead, take a course in something you're interested in. Even if it's not for your job, take that course, grow your mind and get smarter. And number three, you guys know I'm a big social guy is the social aspect of it, right? Make friends at in your classes, even if they're online, right? It's, chances are, if you guys are both in the same class, class, you're interested in something. So that is your Minute with Monahan. Monahan, is that why I always see older people doing like Sudokus or Sudoku? Is that how you pronounce it? Or crosswords? Yes, because if you do that, it helps your confidence. It feels like you're figuring things out and it keeps your brain sharp, right? Like I heard a quote one time is, uh, the day you stop learning is the day you die. So that, yeah, exactly. Okay, we're going to have an issue though because I cannot do Sudokus at all. I just put numbers in there because I'm not a math guy. So I might have to just do like word searches. Oh, hey, like, there you go. Hallmark toe. Yeah, I, I got to do that. Monahan, what email questions do you have for us? Remember, everyone, you can email rubio at therubiomethod.com. They don't have to be about mental health, as you can tell. You guys ask us a wide array of questions. Monahan, what do you got? Yeah, we got an awesome three questions today from Francine in Sarasota, Florida. 
Francine from Florida, how are you? Thanks for coming. The question is, do you have any interesting slash scary parenting stories from when you were a kid? I'll go first. Yes, there was one time uh, my brother and I, my mom somehow had to get the car out of the driveway. So she like, and it was all, she was, my dad must have been out of town or doing something. So she put it in neutral and pushes the car. Well, the car starts rolling and me and my brother are watching up from uh, the windows and we watch my mom like trying to jump, come around and jump in the car and get it to stop. And like, we thought we were going to, that she was going to hit a tree and die. <laughs> I was like literally absolutely terrifying. I could replay the whole thing in my mind uh, to this day. What about you, Reveal? That's a good one. I grew up, I told you, with a single parent, my mom, she did the best she could. We did not, let's say, have a lot of money. So, and we lived in Los Angeles, so we did not have a fireplace, but I always wanted a fireplace growing up. Made Christmas and the whole Santa issue kind of a weird topic growing up since we didn't have a fire uh, fireplace. So we used to always have this big red candle and it was just a cheap old, you know, red candle. But it was one of those that lasted for, I swear to God, we had it for 35 years. And we had it on the coffee table and we, that was our fireplace. So we'd sit around and like literally, oh, that's great. Fireplace, fireplace. Yeah, you know, it's just imagining that the fireplace was there. And I used to always have this red blanket. For some reason, we were really into red. And I would put it on like a cape. And I was probably, I want to say five, six, seven, eight, nine years old, something like that. And I remember I used to put it on like a cape and I'd fly around, you know, Superman, do whatever. And I'd jump over the coffee table. Mind you, at probably like age eight, I was probably close to two bills already. So my jumping is maybe over a deck of cards, maybe over half a deck of cards would be max height. So my mom tells me, stop jumping over the table, stop jumping over the table. I'm a five to 10 year old moron. So I continue to what? Jump over the table. I jump over the table. Sure as hell, my cape hits the candle and knocks red candle wax over the entire table. And the table head was like one of those old eighties wood coffee tables that had grooves in it. So the candle wax just went like tentacles into the table. And my mom just looked at me and goes, go to your room, go to bed. <laughs> some point in the middle of the night, I'm going to come and kill you. And I just looked at her and I was like, she, I don't think she's going to do it, but I got to risk it. And so I remember going down the hall in my bed, face the hallway. And I remember she left the hall light on and I just was sleeping like this, just looking one eye, one eye, one eye, just like, oh, is she coming? Is she coming? Obviously, she did not kill me. So that's my story, Monica. <laughs> that is awesome. It sounds like we uh, were raised by the same mother. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's epic. Uh, next question. Dang, yeah. What's up, girl? Danielle from Missoula, Montana. Uh, let's see. Do you guys play video games? I'm going to get into that first. I do not. Um, I have ADD if you guys haven't figured that out. And my <laughs> <laughs> on video games, dude, I just can't do it. Um, my hobbies, I love, uh, I have a 09 Harley Dyna and I just love riding motorcycles. Uh, that's, that's my jam. Uh, what about you, Rubio? I, I fully protest video games due to the fact that they have more than two buttons. If you oh, go yeah. back to like the old school Nintendo or even PlayStation where there's like just a plus sign and then there's like an A and B, that's all you need, daddy. You don't need 97 buttons. Like I'm an octopus with this many feelers out there. So no, I do not. Cause I protest. Yeah, I'm out. I support the whole thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> last question, Dom in Jersey. He says, uh, do you guys, you guys seem to be really into your families. So I have to know, what were your grandparents like? Yeah, I love my family. I have a son. He's almost six months old, and it is the best thing in the entire world. Um, but my grandparents, so crazy thing, my grandparents uh, like all died by 98, and I was born in 92. So I didn't really know them. All I know really is stories. My grandpa was in the 101st Airborne and 
He said he walked his ass from one end of Norm, uh, France to the other. Um, so he was he was a bad dude. Um, and then my grandma, I had two grandmas. One was I didn't really. She was awesome, but the other one was just out of her. She was out of her mind. She's absolutely nuts. And then my grandpa <laughs> was also out of his mind nuts. Uh, he would carry a hatchet with him in his car everywhere it went because he's a repo man. So I guess I come from a line of just like tough motherfuckers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say so. Uh, my, my grandmother was about at the tallest, I would say five foot one. And she was probably old Italian woman. She was always looked old in Italian, always had an apron on with sauce on it. And she was about five foot one at the max and probably about 270, 280, but solid muscle. Like she lived in 98. I would swear until about 97, she could probably take me down. That's how tough and mean she was. And my grandfather was this monster of a man. I just remember he was about six, three, six, four, big Italian man, always about 300 pounds. He looked like a bear from Country Bear Jamboree at Disneyland. And he was kind of guy who had <laughs> two things I remember. I remember a lot, but these are two stories I'll tell you. He had an old 84 Cadillac Eldorado. I mean, this was a, a boat of a car. And he had it where... In the back, there was no seatbelts, but he would still armor all the seats for some reason. And so he'd sit back there. And on every turn, he was the dude that drove 35, no matter if he was in a parking lot freeway or making a right turn. So you would just boom and just Rubio would hit the side and he would like, stop messing up the car. And I was like, dude, there's no seatbelt. And it's like a ice rink back here. And the last thing I tell you about my grandfather, I tell you what type of person he was. He, one day he calls me, Christopher, Christopher, come here. And I'm probably five or six. Come here. Come sit on my lap. He's eating his classic spaghetti. He has a spoon in one hand, a fork in the other. He goes, I'm going to teach you how to eat spaghetti. I said, okay. I don't think I've told you this, Monahan. He goes, yeah. you put the fork in the spaghetti. You twirl three times onto the, the spoon. You eat it. And I go, well, why three times? He goes, any more than that, you're an asshole. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> okay, man, that's it. That, that's our three email questions. Remember, you can email Rubio at therubiomethod.com. Get ready for a great, great wild guest. Christian, I'm out. What do you think you're doing, Kevin? I uh, was just gonna drive home. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, there are several warning signs present that you shouldn't be driving. Like hearing voices? Like your text to emoji ratio? Oh man, the selfies. <laughs> selfies nailed it. We all have warning signs that let us know that we're probably not okay to drive. Mine is pretending to be your subconscious. Craig, come on man, let's put a ride home. Focus, focus up. I'm talking to you, Crystal Ortega, out in the beautiful Midwest. Thanks for watching on Apple, YouTube, Spotify. What do we got? Google, Amazon, and of course, NGBN.TV. If you have any questions, feel free to email rubio at therubiomethod.com. As you can see from the last segment, they can go everywhere, and we will answer all of them. We have a great, great guest. This is going to be a real interesting one. His name is Chris Bentley. Welcome, Chris Bentley. He's been married for almost 15 years, has two boys, ages 13, 11. Oh, you're about to get interesting right there. He's a Marine veteran. He's an entrepreneur. He's an author of Burning Bellatorum, a phenomenal book. I just finished it. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit because, like I told Chris, it should actually be three books. And he is a convicted felon. We're obviously going to talk to about that a little bit as well. Bentley, welcome, my man. 
Thanks for having me, Rubio. Appreciate it. All right, let's have a good time. Number one, three quick questions for you. You have any pet peeves? Oh yeah, uh, people who drive slow in the left lane. Oh well, that that should be that should be a, just an automatic ticket. That that's that's a no brainer. Should be an automatic ticket. I, I brought this question up because one of my biggest pet peeves, and tell me if you agree with it, is when you go to a restaurant and the waiter or waitress thinks they're Stephen Hawking and they don't write anything down. I can't stand that because they always mess it up. And I'll, I always think to myself, what are you trying to prove right now? I don't care if you can memorize everything. It means nothing to me. Yeah. Does that bother you as well? It does. I always wonder if they're going to mess it up. You know, oh, that, you, you know, they are. You know, they are. Number two, Bentley, if you could have any car in the world and know you cannot sell it to just get the money, what would you have? A Bentley. <laughs> oh, all right. I see that. Named after yourself, of course. <laughs> And last one, how do you like your steak cooked? Uh, medium rare. Medium rare? Okay, that's that's good. You're, you're a Texas guy. You're, you're, are you from Texas? I am. I uh, I raised here, lived here since I was two. I was actually born in Florida, but I, uh, they, as they say, when you're not born in Texas, I got here as quick as I could. So, <laughs> Texas people love Texas. Like if they had a vote to secede, it would pass literally 100%. <laughs> you are... Uh, yeah, that's not a stretch. I spend a lot of time out in Texas. Every time I'm there, it's just they they love it more and more and more. And they will fight you over certain things like Whataburger is so great. Whataburger is trash. Nothing personal, but it's just not good. To me, it tastes like dirty Burger King. And I know I'll get some crap for that from all the, the Texas people, but I'll, I'll fight it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bentley, let's get right, let's get yeah. down to this. Yeah. I, I'm the. You, the last thing I said about you is you're a, now a convicted felon. That just happened literally two hours ago. You went to your court case. It's basically this book, Burning Bellatorum, is the story of a $40 million fraud and its priceless lessons for investors and entrepreneurs. Let me give you the Cliff Notes version, okay? So Bentley doesn't have to go through the whole entire thing again and again and again. Basically, he was running this big company. He was doing something where he needed a lot of money. He ended up going through it. It and basically cheated his clients and people, his friends and family out of $40 million and basically came out at the very end and just said, hey, heads up, this is what I did. You were trying to swim above water the entire time and just couldn't do it. Basically, he was Wolf of Wall Street without the sub 60s, the hookers and the blow. Did I get that kind of right? Yeah, close enough. <laughs> close enough, right? Okay, so my, my that's the bottom line. You, you've, you've turned yourself in, we, you've established that, oh my God, you went down the wrong path. That was a big deal. We've got that. Yeah. I want to go down a different avenue with these questions. What was harder, going through the Marines or telling your family the truth about what you did? Telling my family. Yeah. In what way? You know, just uh, like admitting failure and uh, and that I, you know, didn't uh, honor my character, that I didn't have integrity, you know, things like that. And, and to, to admit that to my wife and kids and to my, you know, to everybody is definitely uh, the most difficult thing I've done in my life. Uh, the Marines was, uh, you know, not, it was not anywhere near as difficult. It, yeah, there was uh, physical pain at times and, you know, like, oh gosh, what did I get myself into? But, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, this will be with me for the rest of my life. Whereas, you know, what's the saying pain is temporary pride is forever. Well, there's no pride in what I, 
what I did at Bellatorum and, uh, you know, that, that, um, regret and shame will be with me forever. So, so when you, in the book, you talked about how you sent out that main email. Did you tell your family before that email? No. So you, you, did you, you didn't send wife email? I did. She, no, you did not. Yeah. She, uh, she found out the same way everybody else did. Yeah. You were in beyond the doghouse on that one. Yeah. So she reads this email. You're at work. You you come home and basically the email, you know, it's a, it's a lengthy email basically saying, hey, guys, you're all screwed. I screwed you. I, I, I screwed up. Here's what happened. You get home. What happens then? Well, so I didn't go straight home. I uh, so, I you know, one thing you know, that I feel like my, my story is a little different is, um, you know, I, I was, I also lost everything. So I wasn't using investors money mm -hmm. just to like live a lavish lifestyle. And as you said, you know, buy cocaine and hookers and, and toss midgets around like, uh, Jordan Belfort. But, um, the, uh, you know, I went to the house that we owned and made sure it was empty because, you know, and, clean because i lost it i i got uh, some basically hard money lenders who were also investors with me and and deeded my house to them and so i uh went there and you know uh contemplated suicide honestly and sat in there and didn't know what you know and just so i didn't go home probably until like two in the morning that uh that night and just you know how, how throughout that entire time I was reading it and my hands were literally sweating, reading, going through the, the email that you sent out. And I'm thinking to myself, OK, this guy obviously screwed up, but he's going to have to face the music, as they say. How did you not have a heart attack? Because my, my heart was pounding just reading about you going through that. And I'm thinking to myself, how did this dude get through this? Because you were burning the midnight oil. You, you had your schedule where you're getting there at like 435 and you're basically robbing Peter to pay Paul the entire time making up fake documents. How did you get through that without having a heart attack or pulling out your hair or just, you know, like you said, driving off a bridge? Oh, man, it was, you know, it was a rough um, existence, not to, you know not trying to gain sympathy or anything. I'm just saying like, uh, yeah, it was, it was rough. I gained a lot of weight. I drank a lot. Um, mm. uh, it just, yeah, it, I don't know, man. I, uh, I'm sure I, uh, my health was not at its, at its peak, you know? Um, but I don't know, man, it just, the guilt got to me like the, the shame of what I was doing and, mm -hmm. You know, I, you always, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Like I figured there would have been better ways to even notify the investors, but, um, I was at a point where I was just like, you know what, I'm, I just, I can't do it anymore. I gotta, I gotta come clean and, you know, and I was working on deals that could make everybody whole and, and try to get a long-term more patient capital structure to where I would have time to weather any financial mm -hmm. storms and whatever. But, um, I, that if I were to succeed in that, I was still having to lie to get it done. Right. And I would, and I thought to myself, um, if I am successful, it'll still in, in getting this done, it'll still be built on a lie. And that's mm -hmm. not how I want my, uh, my business to be that. I don't want that to, you know, be, to have to live with that for the rest of my life. So, 
Um, you know, I had no idea. I, I still have no idea what my fate's going to be. Uh, as you said, I, I just became a convicted felon this afternoon. Uh, my sentencing is still, you know, it's all up to the judge and, uh, that's scheduled for mid February. And, um, you know, we'll see what the judge has to say about everything. One of the, I always have this reoccurring dream. It's not reoccurring like every week or every day. It's like once every two to three months where one of my good buddies named Myers, he was a good friend of mine at UCLA. Like one of those guys on your team that thank God he's on your team. You know, if he wasn't, you'd hate him. And he picks me up in a car and I get in the car and, he, and all of a sudden we just start driving. We're talking just one of those friends that even I could see him for not 10 years and we could still have a conversation. And we go to like my aunts and I say hello and goodbye. Then we get back in the car, go to another friend's hello, goodbye. And then about three quarters of the way through, I finally I say, Mars, where are you taking me? And he goes, well, I'm taking you to your grave. And it freaks me out. And so I, I immediately go, I, but, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. You know, and then I eventually wake up. How, do you kind of feel like that right now? And how do you feel like how are you going to keep contact? Obviously, you're going to prison, but you're not going to go. You're not going to your death sentence. You're not going to your grave. But how do you remain hopeful? How, how are you going to make? contact with everyone what, what are your thoughts on that how are you going to do that you had to have thought about this well yeah so the contact i i mean i hear that you can use email and it's like five cents a minute or something like uh the the, the highway robbery on the prison thing um you know for the phone and the the internet usage you know so i'll probably just write letters handwritten letters and uh but to to remain hopeful i feel like um you know hopefully the sentence is not anything too lengthy to where I actually can get out and have a chance to rebuild my life and make restitution, like actually make a, a an honest effort to, to make a material um, amount of money that I can pay everybody back. Um, so that's, you know, I guess I just, I, I've always been a silver lining type person anyway, uh, Rubio and, and, luckily God gave me that because I, you know, same in like Afghanistan and Iraq. And I think I talk about this in the book, right. Is like, I, you have to be, um, uh, you know, the look on the brighter side type of person to see some of the things over there and, and still not want to, you know, jump off a bridge when you get home. So. Yeah. And like we talked about where <laughs> you're jokingly almost now you have some time. Cause I always said that the book, uh, Bernie Bellatorum should be three books. And you're like, well, now I'm going to have some time. Cause I kind of had to rush it before. Cause you weren't sure if you were going in right away. Um, okay. Here's another question I have for you. I I'm completely torn on your sentencing. So you just got convicted today. You uh, guilty now, not until like February, or March, they're going to give you your sentencing. And I'm usually the very bottom line, rude guy where if I see someone goes to jail for say, if I am at how old am I? 40, late forties. And I go to jail for 187 years. I'm the kind of guy that has said to myself, okay, that guy should just be knocked off. You're wasting taxpayer money and all that. But now I go through your case and I've talked to my buddy Ian about it and I'm torn because I don't know what your sentence should be because you, you, you know what you did. Yeah, you screwed up and you, you obviously have to, you got to pay a little bit of punishment. So the next, you know, Chris Bentley doesn't go, Ooh, I can do this, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, there's no punishment. Well, I'm going to definitely do it. So what do you think your punishment should be? You know, um, I, I think I mentioned this uh, and you've got the poster behind you, right? Uh, so Jordan Belfort served 22 months and uh, on a four-year sentence, I believe. Don't hold me to those exact numbers, but I think that's 
what happened with him. And his was like, I believe, $180 million or something like that. And he was using the money for his lifestyle and, you know, and all that. And so if I use that as, you know, kind of an example of what, then I think that I would be happy. I would feel like it was still justice if I did 22 months or something, you know, that or less. Right. So that, but, and I think what's best for the investors is for me to pay restitution. Right. So like, what's different about these white collar crimes or financial crimes, if you will, is, is you actually can uh, make amends. Like, I mean, it's going to be difficult. Don't get me wrong, but you with a, with a rapist or a murderer or something like that. I mean, there's really no way to make the victim whole, right? Like you can't bring the dead back to life or uh, undo the harms that you've caused somebody. But with financial crimes, I think my victims are best served if I'm out working and, and trying to make restitution and at least chipping away at that. Um, but look, I, there's, there's people, I mean, I, I've maintained contact with some of the, the quote unquote victims. And, uh, you know, some of them are, have said, Hey, you know, Chris, we, we realize what you did was not uh, malicious. And, you know, we, we take risk when we invest and, you know, I don't, he's like, I'm not happy about what you did, but I, am, you know, I'm not, I'm not ha hating on you for it. And then there's literally others that think I deserve to go to prison for the rest of my life. Um, well, then, not to cut you off, but I'm going to cut you off. What do you say to that person? If you say like, Hey Rubio, I know I lost your um, nest egg. You had you, all the kids were going to college on this money and I screwed you. Let me make it better. What could you possibly say to have me trust you again? You know, I, I don't know, you know, and I, I guess that's a question that actually better you could answer somebody else. I mean, I, I, I think that if people really try to, of course they have negative emotions when, when they see my face or hear my voice. Right. But if you can try to be objective and, and really read the story and know all the circumstances, I think people will know that I wasn't like I had a, in a, a successful investment business model where we made money and where I went wrong. And again, this doesn't make it okay what I did, but, uh, I think people know, I mean, the FBI and the department of justice know they even read it in court this afternoon that I didn't, they believe I didn't have the intent to defraud people. And so I think when an investor, if they take an objective look at the whole scenario, they'll, they, you know, and the ones who have have said, look, I want you out working so you can pay me back. That's, you know, that's what some have literally said to me. And then, you know, there's a handful that, want to see me burned at the stake, you know, which well, I, and I, and yeah. I understand. I totally yeah. Understand. And reading the book, the one thing, because I went into it, I'm, I'm always more of your silver lining. I'm silver lining at some point, but more more of a negative. I went in thinking, OK, uh, uh, let me read about this Bentley guy. I, I like him as a person, but he really screwed some people over. And so I went into it thinking, OK, he's going to be like Dr. Evil in his volcanic lair, tw twisting his little mustache, you know, and just, oh, how can I screw everyone up? But, you know, and then as you start reading it, it's like you were just kind of in the ocean, just hanging out, you know, waiting in the ocean. And all of a sudden, like a, a rip curl got you or the riptide and kind of pushed you out. And then you're kind of like, well, let me let me get back a little bit. And you're like, boom, another wave hits you. Let me get back out. And then, a boom, another wave hits you. And you kept trying, like I said earlier, to rob Peter to pay Paul. And you just couldn't get back up because the damn Rona hit. And then all hell breaks loose. And then you were just on a, a, a shit storm of life. Yeah. 
No, and it, you know, it, 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 the, I hope the lesson, because like, you know, and I, when you brought up the three different books, I think I should make an effort while I'm in prison to, you know, when I have the time to yeah. really uh, revise it and, and tell the story a little bit more in depth, because you're absolutely right. And, and I think any entrepreneur could find themselves in scenarios where mm-hmm. they would think it is okay to color outside the lines, right? but I would caution you, like, just don't do it. Like even the, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, whatever that we all have heard that. But I, I mean, I cannot emphasize it enough. It's like, just don't do it. Like, you know, face, don't color outside the lines, you know? Well, you, you just, you just took my last questions. What, what are your words to future entrepreneurs who are just about to head down the wrong street? Like you get, cause everyone who's building their own business, they know like, Oh, this is kind of, it could be a shortcut. What do I do? You know, it's, uh, it, it doesn't, you know, if you're, if you're a decent human being, you will regret it for the rest of your life. Cause you, it, you know, you will have damaged your character and your integrity, you, you know, violated that you, those things, but also, uh, you know, some things that, uh, you know, some of your audience may or may not care about this, but, you become a convicted felon, you can't vote and you can't own guns. You can't own guns for the rest of your life. You know, so uh, th- there's, I guess my point is, is there's consequences that I think people don't think about. Like, you know, they may say, oh, I'm not scared to go to jail or whatever, you know, but mm. there's other things that I, I think matter. And then obviously, you know, your reputation with the people you love, you know, I don't know what my two sons think of me. I don't think they're at the age where they can articulate you know that yet, but I know they're not, not proud of their dad. You know, I know they're not hanging out with their buddies on their soccer team saying, Hey, my dad's a, a fraudster, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, that I would just caution people not to, you know, not to color outside the lines and do the hard thing up front, which is way easier than what I'm going through now. Right. If it would, it would have been the hard thing up front would have been to say, Hey, the investment's not working out. That's not illegal. Right. I would have yeah. probably got sued if I just notified everybody when things started to go south, like, hey, things are going south, people would have been mad, but that's not illegal, right? I, I just would have salvaged whatever money was left, whatever assets were there, and had some people mad at me. But instead, I lied and covered it up and started doing wrong things. And now I'm a convicted felon, all their money's gone. And it's really bad, right? So. And one of the, the I highlighted several things in the book. One of the last things on, I think it's the second to last page. It says, never violate your integrity, no matter what. And I, th- I think that's exactly what you're, you're trying to convey right now. Bentley, I really appreciate your time. I wish you the best of luck. I'm, you know, we're, we're good buds. We'll continue to talk and we'll continue to see what, where this goes. Make sure you guys get burning Bellator. And where, where can they find out some more information on this book? So it's self-published and it's available on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. So uh, those three, those three uh, venues or whatever platforms, you can download it or purchase it there and uh, appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, like I said, it's it's a very very good book. It's a quick read. It does it's not saying that it's basic, but it's just it's good. And it like I said, it should be three books. I I took it as three different books, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Bentley, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Rubio. Have a happy Thanksgiving, man. Right back at you. Christian, I'm out. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. 
We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. And now, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading at unitedthroughreading.org. Focus. Focus up. What's up? I'm talking to you, Chris Fontana out in New York with GoPrimalUSA.com. Remember, he's got excellent, excellent gear for the Go Primal mindset. And make sure when you go to GoPrimalUSA.com, you use the code RUBIO10 for an extra discount. Thanks for always listening on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, and Amazon, and of course, NGBN.TV. Right now, we have the bottom line segment for all our new listeners and watchers. The bottom line is basically my mantra. I go in, what's the bottom line? Let's get it out. This is all stuff that you should have learned without even realizing you learned it. The bottom line, here we go. Number one, you can teach an old dog new tricks. This goes exactly with the minute with Monahan, where he was saying, you know, to keep your mind moving, keep your heart moving, keep everything moving. You got to keep going to classes, do Sudoku, not me. You guys can't. Word searches, crosswords, all those good things. So number one, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Number two, the truth can hurt but it is always needed in the long run. This obviously goes straight to Chris Bentley in that great, great interview. The truth can hurt, but it is always needed in the long run. If he would have just came out right out of the gate and just said, oh man, I screwed up. You guys are probably going to sue me, but I'm not going to be a convicted felon. I'm not going to go to jail. I'm not going to miss time with my family. And the last, but certainly not least bottom line, as soon as you see you are on the wrong path, cut your losses and get back on track. Just like he said, as soon as he started going down that wrong path, as soon as he started, what did he say? Color outside the lines. That is when he sort of said, no, 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 can't do this. I'm drowning here, but let me just try to get to shore and get it over with. That's what he should have done. This was a great, great episode. Thanks for always following on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, Amazon, and of course, NGBN.TV. This was episode 21. My name is Chris Rubio, and I'm signing out. Christian, I'm out. 